Well, over the last 15 months, I have learned a lot more about cameras and video production than I ever thought I would. Uh, to produce what you see for church online each week, we set up my living room as a studio every Thursday with our lights and tripods and a teleprompter and, of course, our big camera, which makes all of that other stuff disappear so that you just get uh, this view of church online. All the studio gear disappears so that we can focus on what God is saying to us in the Bible with no other distractions. Filming is all about getting the focus right. And it's the same for church. We need to get our focus right. Otherwise, all kinds of distractions take away from what's most important. So how do we get our focus right? We'll stick around and we'll find out what the Bible says in just a moment. Well, good morning and welcome to Yonville Community Church. My name is Dan Bidwell, Senior Pastor here. Uh, we are so glad to have you with us, uh, wherever you're watching or listening from. Uh, we pray that our time this morning will help you draw near to God as we make time to hear from His Word and to worship Him and to bring our request to our loving Father in prayer. Of course, these videos are only part of what makes us a church. Uh, we are a community of people following Christ every day. Uh, in the Napa Valley and beyond. Uh, and so we would love to hear from you, uh, to keep in contact with you, to pray with you and to pray for you. Uh, if you are new to Yonville Community Church, uh, a very special welcome to you. We'd love to get you connected with us, uh, whether in person or online. And the best way to do that is to fill in a connect card on our website, yonvillechurch.org. Uh, that's also the place to sign up for our weekly news email so that you can keep up to date with what's going on in the church. Uh, if you've been with us for a while, uh, you will know that we are very close to reopening our historic Yonville Chapel after major renovations. Uh, the building is very close to completion as our elders shared at the prayer meeting this week, uh, but we do still need to pass the final inspection for our occupancy permit. And uh, so I invite you to pray for that process to go smoothly so that we can resume services in person. Uh, but in the meantime, why not bring back Sunday Fellowship? Uh, you could get together with a friend uh, or another family to watch church online, uh, share church together, share a meal together, share in prayer for one another. Uh, because the church is not about a building, it's about building one another up in Christ. And uh, that starts today. So why don't we pray that God would build us up this morning as we open the Bible together. Will you pray with me? Our Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the riches of your wisdom and mercy and grace. Thank you for teaching us how to be a church. And we pray that you would use this passage today to focus us as a church. Pray that you'd help us to grow together at this time. We bring these prayers in the name of Jesus, our Lord and Saviour. Amen. Uh, well, we have come to the final talk in our Titus series. Of course, you can always go back and catch up on any talks that you missed by clicking on the sermons tab at yonvillechurch.org. Uh, there are links to all the videos, audio, and full sermon transcripts there. Uh, if you're into podcasts, you can find us on all your favorite podcast platforms as well. Just search Yonville Community Church. But I've loved Paul's letter to Titus. Uh, this letter that lays out the Apostle Paul's blueprints for a healthy church. 
It's been really helpful to me as the elders and I think, up, I think about and pray about the kind of church that we want to be when we relaunch our ministry in our new building. Because now is the perfect time to get our focus right. The perfect time to set our expectations right. The perfect time to ask ourselves, how will I take part in what God is doing in the Napa Valley and beyond? Well, let's listen to Paul one last time as he imparts his wisdom to a young church leader. Because Paul wants to make sure that we are crystal clear in our focus as a church. Our focus as a church, we learned last week, is to be the gospel of salvation. That is the work of the Father, Son and Holy Spirit together. That gospel is summed up in Titus 3, verse 4 to 7. But when the kindness and love of God our Saviour appeared, He saved us, not because of righteous things we had done, but because of His mercy. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit, whom He poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ our Saviour, so that, having been justified by His grace, we might become heirs having the hope of eternal life. This is a trustworthy saying, and I want you to stress these things. The Apostle Paul reminds us as a church to keep the gospel at the very centre of everything we do. Stress the gospel, preach the gospel, practice the gospel, share the gospel. I would love for Yonville Community Church to be known as a gospel-centred church, where we live and breathe the hope of Jesus, and that's the first thing that our neighbours and our friends notice about us that the gospel permeates every program and every person. Uh, churches are always trying to measure their effectiveness uh, or their success, uh, but it's not easy. Church is not like a regular business where you can measure success in terms of sales or profits. But one measure of church effectiveness is to ask whether the church is faithful to the mission that Jesus gave to all churches, uh, the Great Commission of Matthew 28, 18-20, where Jesus said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I am with you always, Jesus said, to the very end of the age. Jesus says that the church is all about making disciples, verse 19, and maturing disciples, verse 20. How do you make and mature disciples? Well, you teach people the gospel. If we're doing that, if we're seeing people meet Christ, if we're seeing people baptized into Christ, if we see people turning their lives around and obeying Christ, then we know that we're doing a good job. Keep the gospel at the center, says the Apostle Paul in Titus 3.8, and that will be excellent and profitable for the church. Stephen Covey, uh, the author of the bestseller, uh, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, he once said, the main thing is to keep the main thing the main thing. Well, the main thing for a church is to focus on what the Bible focuses on, Jesus and eternal life in him, that is, the gospel. And so our first big point for today is that we want to be a church that stresses the gospel, a church that keeps the hope of Jesus at the center of everything we do. And we need to keep that razor-sharp focus because it's easy to let other things distract us from the mission. It's easy to take our eye off the ball. Back in Australia, I played rugby for many years. Uh, one of my jobs on field was to catch the restarts. A uh, restart happens every time a team scores. 
the ball goes back to the halfway line and the attacking team gets to kick the ball downfield. And usually it's a, it's a really high ball to give the attacking players a chance to chase it down. Well, my job was to look up and keep my eyes on the ball uh, and to catch it no matter what. Now that is easier said than done because there were always two or three opposition players steaming towards me at full pace, uh, waiting to smash me at the moment that the ball touched my hands. And that happened more than once. But the idea was not to get distracted. And that's the lesson Paul wants us to learn as a church. Look at verse 9. But avoid foolish controversies and genealogies and arguments and quarrels about the law, because these are unprofitable and useless. Stress these things, says Paul, and avoid these things. Stress the gospel and avoid all of those topics that steal your attention away from what is most important. Well, what are the topics that distract our attention from the gospel? Well, Paul says it's foolish controversies, genealogies, arguments, quarrels about the law. And we don't know exactly how these topics played out in Crete, uh, where this letter was written to. But the rest of the New Testament gives us some clues about what distracted the early church. As Jewish people became Christians, there was the question of whether the Old Testament laws still applied to them whether Christians needed to be circumcised, whether they should eat the foods that were previously considered unclean. And then as the gospel spread further to people who hadn't grown up Jewish, uh, to the Gentiles that is, there was controversy about whether the Gentiles needed to adopt Jewish customs as well as new Christian practices. And we see that in Acts 15 and Galatians 2, and it caused sharp disagreements and ended up dividing the church into different camps. And that was a serious issue, a serious gospel issue, because it altered the basis of salvation that we learned about last week, that Jesus saves us not because of righteous things we do, but because of his mercy, Titus 3.6. But so many other quarrels were about far less, like who was the best apostle or, or the best preacher? Was it Peter or Paul or Apollos? Well, that was an issue in Corinth, and you can read about it all the way through 1 Corinthians. In 1 Timothy 1, Paul talks about false teachers who devoted themselves to myths and endless genealogies. And the problem, says Paul, is this. Such things promote controversial speculations rather than advancing God's work. 1 Timothy 1 verse 4. All of their speculation meant that they stopped doing God's work. They let their focus shift from the main thing and they ended up leading people away from Jesus. That's a tragedy and sadly some churches Uh, fall into the same trap these days with devastating results. Uh, One of the books that I found helpful as we think about Yonville is a book by Tom Rayner. Tom Rayner is a church researcher and a consultant here in the US. He's worked with thousands of churches over the last 40 years in the area of church revitalization. And unfortunately for some churches, the help came too late and they weren't prepared to change. And that's where this book comes from, Autopsy of a Deceased Church, 12 Ways to Keep Yours Alive. Tom Rayner writes, The most pervasive and common thread of our autopsies was that the deceased churches lived for a long time with the past as hero. They held on more tightly with each progressive year and they often clung to things of the past with desperation and fear. Rayner writes, Hear me clearly, these churches were not hanging on to biblical truths. They weren't clinging on to clear Christian morality. 
They were not fighting for primary doctrines or secondary doctrines or even third uh, tertiary doctrines. As a matter of fact, they weren't fighting for doctrines at all. They were fighting for the past, the good old days, the way that it used to be, the way that we want it today. Read on and these dying churches let the gospel get crowded out by quarrels and complaints about church music and service times and, and the choice of a pastor and church furniture and the placement of memorials. I've been around churches long enough to know that those things matter to us. They matter to me too. But they are matters of personal preferences and not matters of the gospel. And the church isn't shaped by matters of personal preference. It's shaped by the gospel as we do whatever we can do uh, to share the hope of Jesus so that uh, others will share the same life-giving presence of God's mercy and blessing and so that Jesus will be honoured. I was reading another church's values statement. Uh, They say in their values statement, we will do anything short of sin to reach people who don't know Christ. That's the second value on their list. Keeping the gospel at the centre sits above any personal preference because their goal as a church is to reach people who don't know Christ. And that's what the Apostle Paul did as well. Listen to what he said in 1 Corinthians 9. To the Jews, I became a Jew to win the Jews. To those under the law, I became like one under the law, although myself I'm not under the law, so as to win those under the law. To those not having the law, I became like one not having the law. I'm not free from God's law, but I'm under Christ's law. So as to win those not having the law. To the weak, I became weak to win the weak. I become all things to all people so that by all possible means, I might save some. And I do all of this for the sake of the gospel that I may share in its blessings. 1 Corinthians 9 verses 20 to 23. What will we become like to win people for Christ here in the Napa Valley? How will we win an audience so that we can share the hope of Jesus so that some people might be saved? Well, we do it by focusing on the gospel and avoiding conversations which undermine, conversations which divide, conversations which bring people down, conversations that are unprofitable and useless, to quote Titus 3.9. We stress the gospel and we avoid foolish controversies. We major on Jesus. We keep the main thing the main thing. And that will lead us to being a church that is recognized for its goodness. And that's the third big idea from our passage today. All the way through Titus, Paul has said again and again that the gospel is meant to lead to godliness. We saw that right back at Titus 1.1. And then it's repeated in every section of the letter, either as godliness or doing good. And you could go back with a pencil or a highlighter and underline uh, each of those occurrences for yourself. There's at least nine that I can find. You see, the gospel is all about God changing us from self-centered to God-centered, from disobedient to obedient, from evil to good, from sinful to saved. The gospel makes a difference in us. And that difference should be visible in every part of our life, wherever we find ourselves at home, at work, at church, and in the community. We already studied Paul's instructions for home and work and church back in Titus 2. And now in chapter 3, he writes about how the gospel should shape us in the wider community. So what does a healthy church look like when Joe Public sees us out and about? Well, reading from Titus 3.1, 
we see this. Remind the people to be subject to rulers and authorities, to be obedient, to be ready to do whatever is good, to slander no one, to be peaceable and considerate, and always to be gentle towards everyone. Titus 3, 1-2. The first distinctive of the, church, of the church is that we are to submit ourselves to the government. And now, I'm not interested in talking about politics because I want to talk about the gospel and how the gospel shapes the way that we respond to politics. Because as Christians, the first thing we need to remember is that the one who ultimately rules over us is the Lord and that every earthly authority is under his control. They're created by him, they're created for him. Colossians 1.16 God deposes kings and raises up others, to quote Daniel 2.21. So the government belongs to God. And the Bible teaches us that the government's role under good is to punish evil and to promote good. That's Romans 13.4 and 1 Peter 2.14. Uh, and yes, there have been evil regimes, but in general, Christian people are to be obedient to our earthly rulers and authorities to the extent that the law doesn't cause us to sin. Well, Paul reminds us here not just to be subject to the government, but to be obedient to be ready to do whatever is good. When the government looks at churches, they should see us as model citizens. When the town of Yonville looks at us, they should see us as model citizens. When you're driving your car, you should be a model citizen. More than that, we should be ready to do good. For 2,000 years, the Christian church has led the world in contributing to the good of society through healthcare and education and adoption services and charitable giving and far more as well. In Titus 3.14, Paul writes, Our people must learn to devote themselves to doing what is good in order to provide for urgent needs and not live unproductive lives. You see, the Christian life produces good for society. We are not unproductive, we contribute. And I'm looking forward to conversations with you about how we can do good in the Napa Valley. But again, Paul is not talking about running programs. He's talking about our whole lives being changed by God's mercy. Our nature transformed to be more like Christ's. So that these good deeds are a natural outpouring of the Holy Spirit working in us. The public image of Christians, says Titus 3.2, is that we are to be good. We, we slander no one. We are peaceable and considerate and gentle towards everyone. Well, we ought to be careful with our words, says Paul. Careful not to slander anyone. That's difficult, I know. It means holding our tongue when things happen that we don't like. It means holding our tongue when, people's, when people do things that we don't like. Maybe Paul is talking about the way we speak about the government, or maybe just how we speak about people in every situation. Uh, there is a particular point of application here, I think, around the internet. Now, the internet has made it possible for us to have a very loud voice in the public square and to speak into uh, situations from the safety of our keyboards. I wonder if some of us would be brave enough to say the things that we say on the internet if the object of our comment was standing right in front of us. I wonder if we'd say some of the things we say on the internet if we understood that our friends are likely to see what we've written and our church family, and your pastor. And of course, the Lord sees what you write as well. 
This is what one church wrote in their guidelines for personal social media. They said this, ask yourself, could people tell by my social media accounts that I'm a follower of Christ? In any of your posts, are you sharing how you're growing in your relationship with God, what you're excited about at church and how you're living out your faith? Take a moment now and then to scroll through your accounts and see if your online self is confidently reflecting your relationship with Christ. It's true, isn't it? No matter where we are, we need to keep the main thing the main thing because it's so easy to lose our gospel focus. Same in the car, same in the supermarket, same in the workplace, same when the kids are difficult, the same when your health is getting you down. In, in all of those situations, we can forget to be peaceable and considerate and gentle. We might find ourselves grumbling and complaining and snapping and sinning. But Paul wants us to be different, to cultivate goodness, to cultivate godliness in such a way that no one can say anything against us, Titus 2 verse 8, that we give people no reason to malign the word of God, 2 verse 5, and that by our lives we make the teaching about God attractive, 2 verse 10. Because we are the proof of the pudding when it comes to showing God to the world. Our lives will show what God has done in us. We might be the first Christian that somebody has ever met, or we might be the first Christian they've ever met who lives out the gospel. You never know. There's a picture in Philippians 2 of the church as God's children standing out against the world. Uh, we are blameless and pure in a, warp, a warped and crooked generation. And it says this about the effect that that church has on the world when we stand out like that. Paul says this, he says, Then you will shine among them like stars in the sky as you hold out the word of life. Philippians 2, 15 and 16. Brothers and sisters, may we shine like stars as we hold out the word of life in the Napa Valley and beyond. To the praise and glory of Jesus. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you for the book of Titus and for your wisdom to the church, for your blueprints for a healthy church. Father, make us into the kind of church that loves Jesus, that keeps the gospel at the center. Father, help us to avoid foolish controversies and always to uh, treat one another and to treat the world uh, through the lens of Jesus Christ, through your grace and mercy and your kindness which appeared to us and the transformative power of your Holy Spirit that makes us like Jesus every day. Father, may we do nothing to uh, malign uh, your name. May we do nothing that causes the world to uh, say bad things about Christians. Father, help us to be your ambassadors to the world. Help us to shine like stars in a dark world as we hold out the hope of Jesus Christ in the Napa Valley and beyond. We pray this for Jesus' sake and for Jesus' glory alone. Amen.